is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hello, Faith Revisited listeners. This is Ben and Molly here. We're sharing a special webinar that Ben did with his friend and fellow colleague pastor, um, Reverend David Donnan. Um, so Ben, why don't you explain what the webinar was? So David and I have had this ongoing conversation. We're now in what, week five of this quarantine. Um, I think we've done five or six Sundays, including Easter online only. And that's not just us, that's churches everywhere um, with rational sense. I'm sure there's a couple of outliers somewhere, but you know, 98% of churches in America are not meeting in person. And so we've had this ongoing conversation we're developing these new te- technological muscles um, that to use in in leading the church, and and so you know what we're wondering is, what are we going to do with these newly developed muscles? Are we going to let them you know just atrophy and you know go away once we're back in person, you know? And then if you do that, the risk is another you know, pandemic happens or, or we, you know, rebound and we're back to online only for a few weeks. So we spent some time talking about what we're doing, what we're learning and what we want to do with this technology moving into the future, even after we're back in person in some capacity. Absolutely. And the difference is you say early on in the webinar or interview of you both talking that the churches are very different, Um, different cities uh, size wise. I was looking on a map where Twin Cities, Georgia is, and it's in the middle of nowhere. So I'm sure, I mean, I don't know how many members is in the congregation about. I I don't know how many members. I know, I think he worships um, between 40 and 60 a week on average and, you know, holidays, he'll probably get closer to 80 or 100. But David would fall in the smaller church category, um, but he is enormously talented, um, you know, and they're a great, great little church, um, real good to his family. And so, yeah, he's in Twin City, Georgia. We're obviously in downtown Savannah, um, two very different contexts. Yes, and we're averaging around 130 per worship service is our new number. Um, But also what I love, and David's innovative in himself. He has a podcast that he's been doing with some great ideas as well, which we'll link in the show notes, the David Donnan podcast, I think mm-hmm. it's called. Yes. And, but what you guys mentioned in the, in the very end of the webinar, um, which I want to make notes if someone doesn't make it all the way through the episode, but the main key difference between you two and a lot of other people through this crisis is you both have the passion to make your church better every day. That happened before this crisis happened. That's going to continue happening after. But your whole goal and mission as people, as pastors, as um, who you are and what you're bringing to the church is you want to constantly improve the process, the systems, how you're doing things, continuing to be innovative. It doesn't matter if you're in a downtown church or a church in the middle of nowhere. Um, both of you are making those improvements and having that at the forefront of your attention. And I just think that's the most important thing I want to point out. And it happens at the very end of the interview. So I really want to make sure everyone knows that, that that's the only difference between what you both are doing and what any other church can do. Yeah, it's funny that, that that's so timely to come back to. David and I taped this on Sunday. It premiered this morning in video form. And then we're going to release, this is Tuesday, we're going to release this podcast uh, later in the week. Um, and I'm simultaneously um, listening on Audible to a book um, by Margaret Wheatley, um, What We Choose to Be. 
and it's a leadership book. Margaret Wheatley's a, now she's very academic, so you kind of have to go slow with it, but she's a, a guru on linking leadership of organizational culture and the new sciences. These sciences that are less about linear movements from point A to B and more about um, driving and pushing chaos in directions. And so one thing that she cites in the chapter I just listened to while I was washing dishes this evening is that crisis more than anything else will reveal the values of any organization. In the midst of crisis, when you rip away all of the facade that, 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 you know, you just go through the motions on the values of your organization will be revealed. And so I think you're right. One of the things that I'm most proud of, and and David's very kind, he points it at me, but really it's pointed at our entire organization, is that if anything, the the relative, um, relatively seamless way we've kind of done this pivot to online only is because this crisis has revealed the value that our, I think our organization culturally, uh, whether people realized it or not, it is about innovation, is about mm-hmm. being better, is about trying new things. And people have been so gracious and, you know, there hasn't been pushback in pushing people into the online world and, and pushing the envelope a little bit. Does everybody participate in everything? No. I mean, you know, they, but, but they're, they're willing to try. So, yeah. yeah, I would say to any church out there that's that's kind of stuck right now, look at your organization's values. You have time to make a pivot, to rally the troops, to build your teams around you. If, I mean, we've all got time in quarantine, um, but but to prayerfully discern ways to help lead your people forward rather than just being stuck. Yeah, and it can be just picking one area and improving it. You know, you don't have to make massive monumental changes overnight and expect that you're going to keep up in the universe. You know, that's not, you just have to constantly be making shifts and changes and recognizing where your strength maybe isn't lying and who is the person or how can we make that better? Yeah, it's like that old, that old parable, you know, how, how, how do you eat an elephant? One bite, at, one a bite time. at a time, one bite <laughs> yeah. at a time, you know, I mean, that, and that's exactly. how that, that is how you lead an organization is, is just one bite at a time. And so in crisis, you know, assessing your landscape, finding those first steps to pivot forward, even like you said, if it's in just one area, but to be, now that we're five or six weeks in and the shock has, has worn off some now's the time to lead. So I hope that this webinar is a great opportunity to kind of hear us banter a little bit about what we're doing, what we're struggling with, what we're finding success in. Um, I hope people will leave comments. Maybe you've got some better practices. One thing David and I decided is he said he thought of like 30 other topics we need to do this again about. So um, this is not the and all and be all of conversations about technology in a crisis. This is just where we are today. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's great also, I think we can end on this and get into the interview between you two, but you both are doing it very different ways. And that's how the whole webinar starts is um, explaining the differences and how you're doing it. Um, We're doing a live stream at Trinity and his church is pre-recording and he's editing them together and releasing it. So you both go into the pros and cons of those and there are pros and cons for both of them. Um, You also talk about Um, how to measure engagement and online giving and those are the other points throughout the webinar. Um, One more um, note that I want to make, I don't really want to get into it because it could be a whole nother podcast episode because I'm just now marinating now that I heard your interview together is treating, using this as a virtual campus. So instead of a multi-site campus, we are looking at live stream or how we're doing this as a virtual campus now. Um, that really blew my mind when I thought about it. And so I'm really excited that maybe you and I can jump on another podcast episode soon in the future and talk that out and kind of figure out, well, what is that looking like? And that is a very real possibility. It was just, it totally took me by surprise. Yeah. And what blew me away, and we'll, we'll come back to this in a future episode, because the good news is, as I reveal in the podcast, my doctoral work is shifting toward how to lead in a post-COVID world. And so mm-hmm. and online engagement is going to be a big piece of that. Um, but it's the revelation that this crisis has brought us that the internet is not a thing or a tool. It's a place. Yeah. And now we're all in that place. And so to view planting a campus, not necessarily in the physical world, 
you know, Kerry Newhoff, a uh, great, you know, church plant guru. Um, I saw a tweet from him the other day. He said, um, you know, to start another campus is a minimum of $250,000. How much yeah. did it cost you to go online? Yeah. And that question and, was like, it, yeah. it boom, killed me. I said, that's it. That's where we need to, yeah. that may be. Well, second. and that's what, when looking at the prices, I'm now I'm going to go off on a tangent, but when looking at the prices of a multi-camera setup, I was like, well, now it's a no brainer because it's yep. nothing compared to another building cost. I mean, yep. yeah. So that we'll have another be- episode. <laughs> Everyone wait with bated breath. It really is. It, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's very exciting. So I hope you enjoy this webinar between Reverend Ben Gosden and Reverend David Donnan as they talk about the technology and the future of that within church. Y'all enjoy. All right, we're here with Ben Gosden. My name is David Donnan. I'm the pastor at Twin City United Methodist Church in Twin City, Georgia. And Ben is the pastor at Trinity Church, United Methodist Church down in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. And we just want to take a moment to talk about some of the conversations we're having about the future of using technology in worship because we don't want to go through this crisis of COVID-19 and how our technology muscles stretched and then just stop doing everything that we're learning about. So Ben, what has your church been up to? What have y'all been doing? Well, I totally, by the way, thank you for uh, having this conversation with me, David. And it's uh, always fun to talk with you. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, you think of the great Winston Churchill, who's credited with saying never waste a good crisis. And so it's a good thing that we're having this conversation because uh, I hope churches everywhere will consider ways to not waste uh, this crisis and find ways to grow and stretch their uh, technological muscles um, in this season so we can be a better church on the other side. Uh, our church is, is doing a number of things. One is um, we had been live streaming our worship services prior to this crisis. So for us, in many ways, um, getting people to go online only uh, during this time has been kind of a seamless thing. I almost feel bad for how easy it's been, um, but it's because we, we made some early investments months ago uh, to get, a, get a, a fairly decent live stream experience up and going. Uh, we invested in fiber internet. Um, we have a direct line, 500 uh, speed that goes right into a com- computer, and which is hooked right into our camera. And so we use a single camera uh, and have been doing it for a few months. And the truth is live stream worship is hard because there's usually some early bugs you have to kind of work out. For us, the video has always been pretty good. It's been audio stuff. So we had that fixed um, a few months ago. So we did some some tweaks to our live stream to make it better with an empty sanctuary rather than filming from like our balcony and in the top corner, you know, and getting the full, you know, encompassing the room. We brought everything to the floor. We created a smaller set. So our chancel, instead of being 40 feet wide, uh, we put about an eight, eight feet, 10 feet or so uh, width behind me of landscape. So brought our flowers in, brought, you know, everything in front of the offering table, everything to the floor. Uh, we, we call it building our TV set, you know, to, to make it a smaller, for since a smaller camera we're working toward, um, we, we brought everything in smaller. So we've been live streaming our worship every week. Uh, we've been doing Wednesday uh, Facebook Live uh, evening prayer services. Um, we've been uh, putting all of our small groups and meetings, committees, and everything's on Zoom now. And so I'm very proud. I, I bragged our church we have not missed a single meeting yet. Um, so everything just kind of seamlessly went right over into zoom. Uh, our members are learning on the fly. Uh, it's, it's frustrating, but I, they, I've been so pleased with how, how well they've adapted to this new, uh, situation. So, uh, that's kind of in, 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 I mean, we get more details as we go, but that's kind of in big strokes, sort of what we've been doing. Well, it, it sounds like you are wasting the crisis if it doesn't get you out of any meetings. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. But the work of the church has been moving forward. So y'all were already doing live stream and you had already invested in the infrastructure. So that made it a little bit easier for y'all to shift gears because you already had a team in place. And just to describe a different setup, what we did here is we had been recording our sermons only each week and putting the sermons up on YouTube and Facebook. And so 
we actually started pre-recording all our services. And so there's some pros and cons between the two. What do you think is, just briefly, what do you think is the pros to doing live stream and what are the cons? And I'll go over my pros and cons too. Well, the, I'll start with the cons on live stream. I'm very jealous of you guys who are producing services because you get to exert some creativity that I don't get to, I don't get to exert, you know, we, what, what happens in the room happens in the room. There's no editing a live stream. Um, we had a mistake today. My, my music director zoned out for a minute when he was supposed to, to play the Gloria Patri after the, um, after the affirmation of faith and his husband has been singing. So it makes singing at home a little friendlier because I have someone actually singing all of the hymns and the responses and all of that. And so I finished and we looked up and it was a good 10 seconds and you could hear him say, Oh no. And then he starts playing. So I can't edit that stuff out. Um, so I'm very jealous of that. And y'all get to put, um, uh, just a little more extra work on the graphics. We do have graphics that we've, we've put in live, but it's just a little different on that, that we don't get the publishing end of it and the editing end for creativity. Okay. I got two questions that you just sure. want to think of. I, I watched today and I did see your graphics. How do y'all put those graphics in there? We What's preload the them ahead of time. Vimeo um, will let you preload ahead of time. And it's a matter of they're, they're loaded in a menu and you just click and it drops right in live. Very cool. All right. And then if you've got somebody playing piano and somebody recording, do you have two different microphones for that? Or is it just one microphone kind of close? Uh, we have um, everything. So we're running hard chords from our soundboard because we have chords all over the building now because nobody's in there to trip. So we have a, a chord that goes all the way to, we have miles of mic chords here because we've done concerts for years. So we have chords that go all the way to a microphone that's positioned right over the piano. The organ doesn't really need a microphone. We have choir mics upstairs that pick up the organ, but we have a very powerful pipe organ. That so y'all are, y'all are coming out of your soundboard. Yes. Everything's okay. out of the soundboard and, and the soundboard is going straight um, to the, it has been going straight to the computer. So yeah, yeah. the, the pluses of live stream for us. And I, and I want to be careful because there are churches that are, are uh, pre-producing um, because they don't have the bandwidth to do live. And so I, I don't want to sound superior. Like, we're so much better than y'all, but I mean, you just don't have fast internet and I understand that. But for us, it feels more authentic. Uh, we're bringing a much more raw product to people. And then we do an interactive thing in the worship service. So I invite people to go to the comments and I hold my phone and, 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 and I'll sit and read prayer concerns and talk through them. And so we have a time of sharing that everybody kind of comes together. You can't do that as well. Um, when you're, when you're pre, pre-producing stuff. So as people comment, I'm reading them out and giving commentary on them. The only thing there is you have to, you have to learn there's like a five or seven second delay. So I'll tell people, you know, ahead of time, go ahead and load up those comments and then I'll kind of, you know, ad lib a little bit and then I'll watch and they'll start coming in a few seconds later. So for us, it's an authenticity thing. It just, it just feels, it also for me, theologically, I, I feel in, I feel connected as best I can because I am preaching and I'm looking at that camera and in my mind, I'm seeing the people. Mm-hmm. So I feel in that moment, we're live together. And that, that, that means something to me. You mean alive together. That's right. Christ. Alive together in Christ. <laughs> All right. So, um, those are your pros and your cons. I would say for me, um, one of the cons I just thought of as I was asking about your audio is our audio is a little bit trickier because, we don't have like our cameras pretty close to whatever we're filming and we don't have an audio cable or probably a soundboard that's high enough quality to run all the way down without it. It sounds better if we record the audio separately. Yeah. So we have to record separately and then we edit um, before every single take. I have to clap my hands to sync up and it's, it's not hard, but it's definitely a nuisance and it's something if you forget to do, it can become really hard if you just forget to do that little bit of clapping. And so there's some things that, We'll look at with that. Um, also, it can be a, a little more pressure to do it right. I recorded my sermon on Wednesday this week. I recorded it twice, and I just stopped because I wasn't happy with either, and then come back till Friday. That's the only time that's happened. Usually, I can get most of it out in one take and be happy with the few imperfections, but that can um, drive you a little bit crazy. Um, so 
the other thing is you said you had 500 and you meant 500 megabytes upload mm-hmm. speed or download speed. Our download speed here is 15 megabytes per second. So like I, I'm sure we could call if we wanted a live screen stream and pay more to have more internet, but it just, it fits us better if we can record it and then just leave a computer running overnight and have it uploaded the next day. Um, use it a couple of days before the service is supposed to be. And it's not cheap, by the way, we, we, we decided as a church, we were going to pay an extra $250 a month. So we, we budgeted 250 a month to say for that one line, that goes into that camera to do the live stream because we said we're going to make an investment into live stream. So yeah, it's not, it's not cheap. It's something you kind of have to decide to do. I think the pros and this could be a con too is um, since I'm the one who edits here, um, the pro is you have a little more control over your graphics or fading in between images during prayers or during certain times of service. But also the cons is I can go down a deep dive of uh um, Motion Array is a website that we subscribe to that's $30 a month that has, you know, instead of just saying my name come up uh, in today's worship service, this week's worship service, it flies up and then spreads out and then goes back in and disappears. And it's little things like that that definitely give a more professional and polished look um, and is is really good as far as tying together the quality that you're trying to go for. But uh, it can be, unless you have a team it's kind of, it can be kind of time consuming. So. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, it, it, so the pro for me is I, while I love what, what, you know, y'all do with publishing stuff, I, I'm not good at that. That is not my thing. You are yeah. super talented at that stuff. And if I had to do it, I would probably be crumbling under the pressure of just trying to produce a product period. So I haven't had to learn anything new. And, and what's been great is I've gotten to practice um, uh, generative leadership uh, where we, we create collaboration and teams and things like that. I have five people who, who execute. I have someone who, who solely sings. I have my music director who plays organ. Uh, the chairman of my administrative board is running our sound and he's gotten good, really good at running sound. Um, of course we got, you know, Molly who, who's on my podcast with me and, it's just our guru at many things. Molly is producing. I think Molly should transfer to my church. Yeah, you, you wish. <laughs> she uh, She's our producer. And then Andrew, um, who, who does our flowers every week to make sure the background behind me looks good. Andrew also is is our, I call him our online pastor, but he's he's communicating as the church live. So while I'm, I don't have to worry about that stuff while I'm preaching and just doing most of the normal things that I would do, you know, Andrew is loving every comment that everyone makes. And, and yeah. he's like, he's like tweeting out, you know, almost like live tweeting, um, you know, one liners from my sermons, just throwing them out there. So yeah, it's, I've gotten to build a team and we've got a really nice rhythm together. Is Andrew, um, have you set up your Facebook page where he has access to it or does he just have a tablet with it on it? How have you, how have you done that? Yeah, I made him an administrator. And I just wanted to point that out. We're probably going to do that on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page because I think YouTube, you can actually set up a moderator for a specific video too because mm-hmm. um, you can't be in – it's hard for me to be in two places at once. Even though I'm watching the tape sermon, I can only comment just a little bit and still follow along and participate. So just wanted to point that out. I think yeah, the the main point we want to make here is – like just do whatever works best for your context and your situation. Uh, Ben already has an amazing team that is the envy of all the preachers around that help him produce his content. And me, it's not like I was like, Oh, let me learn video editing. I've been editing video since 2006 and I took remote production in college and studio production and have been doing internships where I had a heavy uh, video editing job to do. So it's really about finding what your church has and what works best for your context. And it would almost, I would say, Ben, it would, it would be borderline irresponsible for you to start trying to edit when you have your team set up and, you know, it's pretty much plug and play every Sundays and y'all can safely get everybody in and out. That seems to be the right way to go. Well, and there's something exhilarating. I mean, it, it does feel like bringing a live TV show. Um, you know, there's a joke every week, Andrew will look at his watch, you know, when it's like uh, 1050 and he'll say 10 minutes, people, 10 minutes. Uh, but it, but it's this exhilarating thing that, that we, 
you know, we're testing sound. I'm, I'm, you know, doing camera checks and, you know, all this stuff and, and, and they're getting the graphics loaded up and, you know, Jared's running through music. I mean, it's just, it's a very exhilarating thing, but in many ways feels very similar to the, the quote unquote normal Sunday rhythm. So it's been a way to, we haven't fully lost that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's nice. Sounds so exciting. Andrew Sorkin might do a TV show about you. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, what we want to talk about and spend the rest of our time talking about is what are we going to do with these skills that we've learned? And so I'll go to you first. You're learning a lot of this stuff. You're very excited about it never replacing worship, but as a supplement um, to, and a tool for your church use, tell us about your thinking and how it's going about what would you like to do in the future with, um, the interactions you're developing, the technology that you're developing. Yeah. So, um, it, we have a couple, many different ideas out there. Um, and I'll try to go through them quickly. The biggest one is I'm shifting the focus of my doctoral work toward specifically worship leadership and, and what I'm calling worship leadership in a post uh, COVID-19 world. How do we, and this goes beyond just technology, but how do we, how do we organize worship in a, in a time of social distancing or what if, this thing comes back in the fall. How do we how do we look at leadership? And so, specifically for technology, it means making the live stream worship experience not only better but legitimately its own thing. Now we can call it different things. We can call it a second campus, you know, an online campus, whatever it may be. So we're looking at going from a single camera system to a multi camera system, hopefully soon. I've got a quote on that. I've got a quote on new microphones to, to put with our instruments to make that sound even better. Um, it, when we're back in person, it means utilizing one of the cameras that, you know, someone can sit on an iPad and be producing the service and shifting camera angles. But it means like I release people, you know, to greet one another, uh, not shaking hands, of course, but, but to greet one another. And then I turn to look at one of those cameras and, and talk, break that fourth wall and talk to the online Worshippers, because right now for most live stream worship services and ours included, it's it's simply you're looking in on something. You're watching what's happening in the room. We need to legitimize the online worship experience to be present in a very real way, and so that means breaking the fourth wall and engaging uh, with with online uh, people worshiping online. So we're looking at doing that. Um, I think that you know, for pastors who are dreading this notion of producing content. Um, I think producing content, at least seasonally, is, is where ministry's going. You know, this idea that we're going to just go back to the way things were, I, I, I just don't think that's possible. And I think online content production is going to need to be a priority uh, from now on. It doesn't have to be the thing you do most every week, but it, it's going to be an important part of ministry. Um, so, so looking, we were talking today, one of our ideas is, is simple stuff, but like to get my music director to play a wonderful organ piece, um, you know, and we video that the reason you do that is organ is a, you use all four of your limbs to do it. And so to watch someone really go to town on the organ is really a fun thing to do. And so a little three minute video that you put out there and get people to like and share and, you know, be proud of. And, you know, we're even talking about him doing a, a 20 minute live organ concert you know, where he talks about a piece and then he plays it, you know, but stuff like that legitimizes the online experience. We think that the online experience is is important to reach three types of people. One is to reach, um, you know, people who can't be in worship for one Sunday. The child, you know, throws up on the way out to the car, you know, you're got a cold that weekend. Well, you know, you can go online and you won't miss. Um, So, so current people, we have a lot of snowbirds, Um, people who live in Savannah for a few months and then they go back up north for a few months. Well, they've made it clear that we're their church. And so they want to continue worshiping online. So you've got, you know, people who can't be in worship randomly. You've got some people who are shut-ins, but can use technology. And so you've got them. But I also think that you've got people who, who are going to shop your church. That's the second type of people. So they're going to worship with you online and then maybe come down to your physical location. But the third type of person is the most mysterious and that is reaching the person that they will only worship online. And that's a legitimate thing. Um, we, we got another, uh, offering gift from someone that I have no idea who they are. Uh, we're getting random gifts from people all over the country and I don't know how they're finding us and I don't know if they're going to stay with us, but 
discovering this mysterious world where someone in Ohio finds your church service and says, I'd like to worship with these people online every Sunday and making that a true thing. Well, it's a great way to measure people's engagement too, of saying who is given online. You've talked about who's typing in prayer requests. And then one of the other things that we do is we ask people to comment on uh, different things during the service. So uh, I will say use ha- type in hashtag don't miss it because that was one of the points from the sermon. You'll see people do it. I also had the problem on Easter Sunday. I read the Apostles' Creed way too fast because it's really hard to do when you're in a sanctuary by yourself to gauge mm-hmm. your speed. And the next week I read it just too slow. So just like Goldilocks, I, I asked him, <laughs> I said, this week, if it's just right, say just right, or just type, get somebody else to do it because you stink at it. And so it was a fun way to see people who were following along and, and not everybody sitting there watching it on their phone or their computer where they can type in a lot of people, especially with YouTube or watching it on their TV, which is yeah. a really neat way to do it. Um, but I think it's important for us as we think about the next steps of how do we drive engagement? How do we measure engagement? Of course, it's nice to have people giving gifts because, oh, it helps us um, with our budget, but ultimately it helps us change people's lives. And ultimately it's a measure of people just aren't saying, you know, let me just um, send random money out to people that they felt some, they see your church as meeting some type of need. So I think that's a a great thing to have uh, random people given. And I hope you're writing them thank you notes if you get their address. Um, Yeah. What, uh, how do you see yourself in the future? Okay. Let's say we get back and we're, we're meeting, everybody's healthy. Like, what does it look like a month from now, a year from now to continue doing online worship and continue doing it well, offering it as a, a supplement for, for most people, but maybe there's that random person out there. What does it look like to you to do that well? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a great question that, that churches everywhere are going to be struggling with. What does it mean in the immediate future to, to reopen? I'm already using the language at our church that, that we are going to reopen slowly. Mm-hmm. And so how we bring ministries back, uh, especially ministries that drive um, – Either, either high numbers of people or put people in uh, ultra-close proximity. Those, those are going to be the problematic ministries, you know. And so do we add a second worship service? We do only do one service at 11. We were averaging 135 people a service before all this started. And that's putting people on my in the floor fairly close proximity. You know, there are all these scary articles out there about how when we sing, we create aerosols and germs live in them. And oh, my gosh. So I don't know. Um, do we drive able-bodied people to our balcony so people can can socially distance better? That's one option we've thought about. We've thought about adding a 9 a.m. worship service and, and just saying you got two options now because we're trying to drive numbers down um, so that people can feel safe worshiping in person. But But again, to go back to the previous point, you know, a year from now, I mean, online worship's here to stay. Um, one article I read online that, that all the debate about online worship, um, you know, being legitimate or not, you know, pro online worship had the final word and that final word was COVID. It, we, it is, it is here to stay and you can diminish its importance and that's fine, but God forbid another pandemic happened and we're all going to be scrambling again. So I definitely think knowing that, that, online ministry is important. And, and you had some great ideas about this the other week that, that, that a year from now, the driving engagement, you know, it's not just about worship. It's about continuing small groups. We've started three new small groups during this pandemic and they've all said they want to keep meeting on zoom. And so for us, it's our physical proximity is an issue being downtown, paying for parking, lack of parking. People don't want to fight with that, but a mm-hmm. Thursday morning Bible study from my kitchen table. Sure. Let's do it. So um, doing new member classes online, you know, offering things that you would do in person, either in a second option online or maybe just telling people it's going online. One of the things we talked about in kind of a preparing conversation for this interview was how much stuff we do that we could record and then have archives. So like you just mentioned, the new members class, we talked about saying, you know, um, watch the, it, it, people might have a hard time at sure the church like yours getting downtown, you know, three weeks in a row to do a new members class, but Hey, uh, I'll come meet you on your side of the town at Applebee's. But first, you know, watch this lesson and then we'll have some discussion questions that we'll go over that way you can 
have them listen in a setting that they may be able to be more relaxed, not as frazzled trying to get there. You don't have to provide childcare, but you're able to get them the content that helps them become a, a better disciple. And so there definitely are. And then even, you know, along those same lines, uh, let's say you're doing a Bible study, um, just record that Bible study and create an archive for that. And so it really is a way, I, I think for most preachers, if they're doing it on their own, like getting a tripod, setting it up, making sure a microphone works is going to be a little bit work to start with. Um, but the payoff down the road to have your content and be able to keep using it and sharing it. Um, it's it's kind of like the philosophy of my podcast is like, I'm not necessarily trying to create a podcast that everybody's going to listen to, but I hope that the topics that I have are going to be things that come up over my career to say, Oh, we talked about this, you know, Oh, you have a question about, you know, suffering. I did a three week study on Job that goes over this. Let me send you a link to the archive of it and see if it helps you out. And so I think there's a lot of good things that can come from it. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the mantras we all need to embrace is crisis drives creativity because we have a lack of resources, whether it's time, proximity, money, sometimes um, this is the time to be creative and how we can become more creative leaders. Um, I think is going to be essential over, over the next year. So yeah, absolutely. Um, engagement is an important word too. And, and I think you and I in this prep conversation had a great uh, talk about that. Um, for you, what is the difference between, how do you measure things? Like how do you measure um, fruitfulness in, in this online world? Yeah, I think some of those key indicators we talked about a moment ago, are people comment on the videos, are people um, giving, are, like, is that a level of engagement? Yes. And so that's something to look at. Um, are people sharing the content? Are they finding value of it there? So those are some easy things. And then if you're going to do a Bible study or a new member class, um, one of the things I signed up for to do was one of Ron Holiday's courses on reading, um, Read to Lead, I think I believe is what it was called. And so each day he sent you like um, for two weeks, it was a program he signed up and he sent you like kind of an essay on different parts of reading and that had videos too. And so I could see if you're doing that for a church, creating content like that of saying, hey, here's our foundations of Methodism, you know, a seven course class with questions. And then as the preacher, you know, you don't have a ton of time to like teach everybody the content, but you probably have enough time to answer any like questions that you feel like come up during it that aren't really addressed or you can point people to resources. And so it's just a way to um, really enrich um, knowledge about either the history of church, um, knowledge of life skills or spiritual disciplines. I just think it's an easier way for us to be organized and provide good content because the other thing is like church people can type in or, or like just people questioning about faith, you know, what, why does, why do evil things happen in the world? And there's no telling what's going to come up, but we can be a resource for a classic Wesleyan understanding of why does evil happening in the world and point people into what we believe um, the people called Methodist belief. Yeah. And I think the key, the key word with engagement is now is the time to drive engagement and measure it most. We have to get out and churches are really bad about this. We have to get out of the framework of producing things for people to consume Mm-hmm. And we need to produce things for people to engage with. Mm-hmm. And the difference there is to consume is a very passive thing. I can just sit and consume, you know, hours of a podcast. I can consume hours of, of worship and all this kind of stuff. But what does it, how does it change my life? What does it make me do? How does it draw a response out of me? That's the engagement piece. And so, you know, how we measure our numbers and, and nobody knows how to, how to measure online worship numbers, by the way. We got some formula from the bishop and the cabinet based on one article that says every view is multiplied by 2.65. So we have people thinking that that they're they're seeing you know they worship 50 on Sundays and they think that they're seeing 900 people with online worship and that's probably not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. So you know even knowing how to dig deeper on those numbers to measure real engagement versus. Uh, you know, a view is counted. What is it, David? Like two seconds when you pass by on a, on a, I don't even know. It's so confusing. All right. Here's the formula we should make up Um, for number of views. What percentage of those views actually comment like during the, the, the uh, worship service? 
So if you have like a thousand people watching 25 comments, you could come up with a formula that says that's that percent are engaged. And so we could come up with a target percentage number of engagements like that. I don't know. There's no good yeah. answer here. But, but like on Facebook, you're scrolling down the newsfeed. If I stop for like one and a half seconds by, yeah. you know, first church of, of Friendlyville, you know, it counts as a view for them. Well, I well, you, you have hesitate. People, you have people like that walking in your church on Sunday morning that are tourists. Do you count those in attendance? This is true. No, I don't, but I should. But I do will have people randomly walk into my church at, in the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday, and they act surprised that we're in there worshiping. I'm like, do you think this was a museum? What are you doing? Yeah, well, then if you wouldn't count them, you can't count, yeah, if people just stopping on Facebook because that's, that's the closest thing I can think of to equivalent thing happening. Well, and I, so I encourage people, when you're looking at your numbers, there's a way on Facebook especially, um, you can get dig into the insights on your Facebook page and really start looking at, you know, you may have 900 views, but you may only have like 300 click to play. And of that, you may only have like, uh, 111 viewed it for more than a minute. You know, you, 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 you gotta be careful not to measure people consuming stuff, which is just passing through for a few seconds, but you're trying to like whittle it down to the person who's actually engaged with worship. Mm -hmm. So that's a much harder number to come up with. And I don't think anybody really knows it. And anyone who says this is the exact formula, um, they're full of crap. Yeah, well, there needs to be a lot of grace right now since we're all trying to figure this out on the fly. Oh, yeah, but maybe uh, a year from now we can have some more um, standards that we can use to try to measure it because I, I understand what you're saying and where you're coming from for sure that it's it's hard to measure engagement. And as we develop, you know, a year from now, if we're still doing our worship online, you know, we'll have some metrics to say this is kind of where we see people being engaged. And uh how we feel like we're doing a good job. But here, here's the thing, David. It's also revealing of, of our dysfunction in, in measuring in the first place. If we, if we are just counting views, all that is is the online equivalent of counting worship attendance. And all counting worship attendance is is counting butts and seats. It's not measuring engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, engagement is how people's lives are being transformed. Mm -hmm. And so – Maybe this is a good reminder that we've been counting wrong this whole time, that we need to count, do, count better things than just butts and seats because people can passively come to worship. They can passively scroll by your worship service. But how do we measure a response of life change? And so, yes, it's the same thing. We've just never known how to count things well. And, 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 and so maybe we need to dig deeper in this season into even – even valuing and then trying to figure out how to measure engagement. Yeah, you're right. Spirituality is hard to measure. I mean, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we see people preaching where people are yawning and sometimes they're paying attention, but you see people who are definitely asleep and uh, you see people who uh, have kids and the kids are being distracting. And I, I get that every now and then I get to sit with my wife and that can be tough. So yeah, I think there's always different levels of engagement and that's always been the case. And so, how do we will be able in this digital age to better measure engagement? Um, what are they? I, I know like some people who do test online, you have to like have a proctor watch you and make sure that you look at the screen the whole time. Maybe yeah. that's what you need, Ben. That can be another yeah. task for Molly to do is that's right. She can have like a watch party and that people can see if she's watching and she can try to log in somehow and see other people. Watching she, she sure you know, the proctor, the proctor can do like my wife did a, she did her a nurse practitioner degree online. And what she had to do because it was a proctor was she had to clean everything off the counter behind her yeah, and show a clean room. Yeah. There can be nothing in the room. And so, yeah, let's, let's see how that goes to tell all of our people during quarantine, clean your room, get that mm -hmm. living room clean and spotless, nothing in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Your church's new slogan can be Big Ben is watching you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's hard to measure engagement, but I think, I think this is a great season to, to say, okay, let's look at things maybe with some different eyes that maybe we've kind of misconstrued all this time. And now that this crisis has happened, we're seeing the world in different ways, and we can take advantage of correcting some of that. Has there been anything that surprised you during the season of using technology? Um, yes. I, I, again, I, I want to be careful 
because not everybody's in the same place. I've been surprised with how seamless our transition to online worship has been. I've been surprised with our level of giving. Not all churches have been doing online giving. And so, again, I want to be careful because I realize what, how important it is to have that as part of your culture because this crisis is hard on churches that have not been doing online giving. But um, our, our giving has done really, really well. Tell, um, tell us what are your uh, avenues that you have for online giving? We use uh, text to give online giving, Venmo. Uh, we have a PayPal, but I only have a couple of people because we, we use that on site to swipe cards, but I have a couple of people who actually saved that information. And so they go online and, and use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those, those are, those are always, and people can still mail in checks too. So, you know, we, we do have people mailing in checks as well. All right, let me put you on the spot and uh, you can just guesstimate here. What percentage right now of your given is online versus getting mailed in? Now? Yeah, right during the crisis that we're in, yeah. 80%. Wow. It's flip-flopped. We were, we were at 20% online before. Mm-hmm. And and it's it and it was eighty percent in person and it's 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 literally flip flopped. It's eighty twenty online to what, versus checks. Okay, so the twenty percent was coming in online beforehand. What percentage of that was actually um, recurring gifts? Ooh, good question. I, I I would have to sit down with that. We, um, hmm, let me do some math in my head. Well, we may have been higher than 20% because I actually want to say 15% was through recurring gifts. We may have been closer to 30, 35% online. Okay. Um, and and yeah. then um, do y'all have any ACH drafts set up? Yeah, our online giving lets you do an ACH or through a debit or credit card. So and you're then, online, and what did you say y'all your platform is? Breeze. Breeze is your online giving platform. Yeah, I, I highly, it's our church software platform. And I highly recommend Breeze because um, Breeze was designed with small churches in mind. So there's a lot more simplicity to the system versus, you know, ACS and some of these others that, that were built for large churches. You know, for your small churches, they don't need all those bells and whistles. Breeze is a very simple, straightforward platform. Well, it just um, does membership and then it does what? It, it does giving. membership giving. Um, I can create tags and all kinds of things to set up different groups. I can do group emails. I can do group text messages. What about, does it do like church budgeting? Or do y'all, y'all do QuickBooks, don't y'all? Yeah, we do QuickBooks. Okay. Sorry. We can do a whole nother conversation about that aspect of technology. It's so. been surprising to me. Um, the response that we've had and it's, 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 it's been tremendous. We've passed, and again, not every church is in this scenario. So, you know, say with sensitivity, but I mean, you asked what surprised me. We've passed our April 2019 numbers already. What do you mean by that? Uh, we, we, uh, we've taken in more month. in April 2020 than we did in April 2019. Easter was in that month, both years. Now, before you think Ben is Daddy Warbucks over there, though, part of their income is their, they rent out their space and they've lost a ton of income from the church. Um, because there was a, the festivals that were canceled too. So you could also say it's people being generous, but also the realization that this was a part of the church's income. Yeah. So we have to step up and, and meet those needs. So those yeah, we lost, we lost $10,000 when Savannah music festival canceled on us. Um, so yeah, we were, we were hurting for income already. So, yeah. So, and, and just to, um, a different side of the coin. We had no online giving set up at our church. And so we were relying on the South Georgia annual conference of the United Methodist church has set up a PayPal that they're picking up the fee while we're not meeting. But this is one of the things that we're going to have to do talking about how will we look different in a year. We're going to have to figure out how to set up our online giving and make sure that we have text to give. I think it's going to be a big thing for younger people and then online recurring giving. And so one of the things we want to try to do too is if people sign up for recurring giving is send them uh, some business cards that just say, um, you know, I gave online to people as a way to thank them and give them something to put in the offering plate too, because that's uh, a part of it. Well, and, and the point there is we set up and really pushed online giving about three years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was part of the culture. That's been some of the ease is it's just been an assumed part of the culture. 
So the key takeaways is what I think has made your your job easier, Ben, is you're somebody who's always trying to get like that 1% better as a leader and Mm -hmm. and get your church better. And so you're really seeing that pay off right now during this time. So if you're a pastor, you might say, oh, my goodness, I'll never have the team that he has. Well, it's just getting that maybe you're never going to have a live stream team, but maybe it's saying, let me ask who in the church has a video camera and may want to set up to tape something one day. Or let's talk about maybe we can't do online giving right away because our church just doesn't do that and they're they're not thinking about those things. But maybe they'll be okay with us taking direct deposits since there's no fees with that or our bank might not have any fees with that. It's just trying to find that one little thing that you can do to try to get better each and every day. And so I'm encouraged by you, Ben. Um, I appreciate your heart. I look forward to uh, getting an autographed copy of your dissertation after you write it. Um, But uh, I think our key takeaway is um, have conversations like this so that while I might not do the exact stuff, I may never do the exact stuff that Ben's doing. Like I, it can kind of spur me on to say, well, what is the thing that, I can do here. Ben, do you have any other uh, final thoughts as we start to wrap up? Well, I appreciate the kind words, David. I mean, you know, for anyone, we didn't have this team four years ago. It's taken four years to build this team. And so how you can incrementally get better. And we started with, we were averaging 50 in worship four years ago. So, you know, it's how, how those little things you can do to get better and better. I admire you because a lot of times people don't put in the extra effort in smaller churches in smaller towns you know they get they 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 get a comfortable rhythm and never grow beyond that and you're always pushing the envelope a little bit those your pastoral care calls that you're videoing those zoom calls are those are awesome um but you know before anybody was doing everybody participating in worship you were doing that when pastors thought you know four weeks ago when they thought that they had to do the whole service on their own and now you're seeing everybody bring other people in and edit it well you were like the first one out there you know, hey, Miss So-and-so, read this for worship and, you know, do this. And so the creativity in the small church is essential. And, and so I appreciate the way you, you embody that and model that for, for small churches. Well, thank you for those comments. I, I want to say we're kind of in the golden age of if you can get somebody in your church to, that has an iPhone, especially to say, hey, just hold it not in a portrait mode, but hold it sideways in landscape mode and record yourself. And if they're standing with just a little bit of light in front of their face, the videos can come out really good. So I forgot about that. And that's a great thing to mention. Um, we'll put a, and that's a something that you need to also post the link to your tutorial video. I was going to say, we'll post the link to yes. that so that people can see how to that do that. That was so good, dude. And that's just basic you know, once you start learning to edit, it's kind of easy to drop in. And I think that's one of those things that's going to enhance our live worship service too, to say, Hey, here's so-and-so in the nursing home. They're going to say the Lord's prayer for us today. And so that's a neat way to leverage technology, not just for online worship, but for future in-person worship. Any other final thoughts you have been? No, I, I just think this is, we're in a brave new world. Uh, pastors embrace it. It's scary. I know. But this is the time for creativity, and God is very much with us. All right. If you want to get in touch with Ben or I, you can message us here on Facebook or over YouTube, whatever you're watching this on, and we would love to help you out. Ben's also on Twitter and has his own Facebook page. Um, but we want to help you out, whether you're a regular church person or if you're a preacher or if you want to share this with somebody in your church or with your preacher, we'd greatly appreciate that. And we'll be doing, uh, David's gracious enough to let me borrow this interview to do a dual uh, posting at my podcast, the Faith Revisited podcast that uh, Molly, uh, our superstar layperson, mentioned earlier that she and I do together. So, uh, yeah, engage in many ways. All right. And Molly, this does not count as my podcast interview, so you still need to have me on for an interview later (laughs) on. All right. Thank you all so much for watching. Congratulations on making it all the way to the end. Message me and Ben if you have any questions. See you soon.